0: Hello and welcome back to Beyond the ANC The podcast that always tries to avoid debuting new material if at all possible We've been away for far, far too long now, so sorry if you've missed us Sounded so sincere I know But we've got long memories, so what we've done, we've made notes And we'll be catching up on everything that's been going on over the past few weeks Yeah So first up, we'll be talking about the unveiling of a brand new song over in America, again Looking at the band's plans for recording their fourth album giving our view on the band's 11-song Unplugged EP. And finally, after all this time, getting around to discussing Mount Desolation. Pretty long overdue, don't you reckon? Definitely. We've sort of dropped the ball on this, haven't we? Yeah. So, so let's get started on today's Beyond the Iron Sea.
1: Beyond the Iron
0: Sea So, you may have noticed that the band are off in America touring at the moment, but we'll get talking about live dates in a little bit. For now, let's talk about the new song that they debuted the other day. Yep, yeah, disconnected debuted at the Man Center for Performing Arts, and that's in Philadelphia. Yep, although they previously soundtracked it in Brooklyn and also at the Birmingham Academy. We're back in June. Anyway, um, if you haven't heard it, how about having a listen? So what do you think of that then, Andrew? Um, well, okay, the first time I heard it, I was underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. Really? Now, the reason why I'd say that is that it sounds sort of derivative of what we've heard before. And this, I stress, is just on the first listen. Um, you can clearly see the sort of elements of um, Nothing My Way and "Somewhere Any We Know in there. And, you know, it sounded a bit like you'd heard it before. Right, okay. Instantly familiar. But it's, you know, and then you realise that that's actually the great charm of it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think I see kind of where you're coming from, yeah. I mean, to me, it feels sort of like it's a strong song and it feels like it'd it'd be really easy to put that out as a single, as, you know, the second or third single on an album. I could quite easily see that sitting on the next album, no problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, something that you raised earlier on When we were chatting about this That musically It's actually very fully formed For a a Tim composition Absolutely I mean the sort of middle eight The string synths there I mean I've only listened to it once Because I don't like listening to new stuff Too much You know When it's unfinished Because You know It could change so drastically But yeah What I heard It sounded Like the full article Yeah Very kind of filled out And I don't know about lyrically But musically It was certainly all the pieces were there Yeah Well if you've certainly focused on the music and when I think about the, the lyrical content that's the, probably the bit that I feel is a little bit undernourished at the moment right um, there's quite a lot of repetition throughout the song um, and when you've got a song that's stretching on to what at the moment it's about 4 minutes 40 something like that then you need you you know you need a little bit more um, variety to it or you need to make it shorter but either way it's either it's either a little bit unfinished or a bit too long right okay fair enough well uh I but don't know. I mean, I, mean, I, think, know, I think the, the melody is definitely there. And the chorus, you know, I, I, like I said, I only heard it once, but I could probably, you know, I could probably sing it back to you. I yeah, want, I won't. Uh, but, uh, No, it's got the the basis of a very, very strong song. It reminds me possibly that, a single. In that sense, it reminds me of nothing in my way. In that it's a uh, it's a strong song. It's got, you yeah. know, it, it feels like it could be a, a nice safe single. Yeah, I think um, it's funny that you mentioned nothing in my way again because. Um, it takes me... Let's bear in mind that the band have only ever debuted um, five songs live before they've actually recorded them and put them out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Sovereign Light Cafe we've just had, but all of the other um, songs date back to Under the Iron Sea. And if you look at nothing... Well, it, then it was Nothing In Your Way. And between it being debuted and it actually ending up on a record, you I mean, you look how much it changed. You know, it was in a different key... Um, the piano was much lower in the mix. There were loads of synths there. The vibe of the whole song changed. Yeah, when well, I mean, we were listening to a bit like earlier, and uh, it it sounds completely different. Very kind of sparse. Should we take a quick listen? Actually, yeah, this is um, okay. This I think um, was recorded at the Manchester Apollo back in 2004, and I think this was only about the seventh or eighth time that they played this song. Good times. So, that, I mean, that's only a that's only a sort of a small section of it. Um, but you can see the difference back then between it as it was and how it is even now live or how it was on the record. So what we're saying in a roundabout way is that although it kind of feels finished musically and, you know, the songs there, we think the lyrics might change, the production might change. There's all sorts of things that could change from now until the album comes out. Yeah. And this ties back in with what you were just saying, Chris, that really it's not... I don't like to listen to songs an awful lot before they actually come out on on a finished album either, purely because there is going to be so many changes, and I don't want to get attached to a version of a song when it might come out and be completely different. And all of a sudden, w- once you've once you've got news to a version, you always think that first version is the best version. Yeah, I am um, I'm, I'm still attached to some of the Fierce Panda recordings. I hope that doesn't <laughs> make me sound like a snob. But well, I was just thinking of um, my—you um, are familiar with Radiohead's album *In Rainbows*, right? Now, all of the songs on that record were played live by the band before it actually came out as an album. And one of my favourite tracks of that album is the, the closing track, um, Videotape. Um, I know I, no, you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they played that live, they played it um, in a very different manner to the one that ended up on the record. And a lot of fans, when it came out, were absolutely up in arms because they thought it was absolutely beautiful, The the initial version... And they couldn't believe that they'd have basically been ruined on record. But to me, because I hadn't actually seen them play the song live before I heard it on the record, I heard the the version that was on the album, and it was it was really moving. And I I much preferred that version. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I think the thing that's probably worth taking away from all of this is, um, I think it's got the basis of being a great song, and, I, and we'll see what magic they add to it in the studio. Tim used his royalties from sales of Perfect Symmetry to buy the city of Eastbourne. He is currently letting it out to help the aged.
1: The
0: so think thinking a bit more about this fourth record then, Chris, I personally find it really interesting that the band have played two new songs live since Perfect Symmetry came out. Mm. Because previously... When they've debuted these songs, it's been out of well, it's been out of necessity, let's be honest. When they were touring Hopes and Fears, they, they only had um twelve songs. Sure, yeah. Um they could have played Snowed Under and Alamond and To the End of the Earth, but really because they were playing to really big audiences by the time it got through sort of a year of touring the record, they needed more songs. So that's when Hamburg's song and Nothing in Your Way got added to the set. And then they went off to America and Try Again got added. Yeah just to sort of keep things fresh. And now when they're playing um, Sovereign Light Cafe and Disconnected live, there's no um, reason for them to do that. They can mix up the, the set without having They've to... They've got a 60-song back catalogue easily to pull from, haven't they? Yeah, so it just makes me wonder, why, why do you think they're they're choosing to debut these songs to a crowd now and opening them up to scrutiny at such an early stage? It's a good question, actually. I mean, there could be a few reasons. Could be for their own purposes to road test it. It could be, you know, to, to give the fans a bit more. Feel, you know, I think they realise that now Keane's fan base tends tend to turn up to more than one show, and you know, they appreciate it being mixed up a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. It's uh, so yeah. I, I, I think there's also there's also a, to a certain extent. I don't know whether you agree with this, but it also gives a chance for the music to go out there and for some of the you know the hardcore. For peop- you know, people like us—the people who are going to hunt down new material of the bands on YouTube—perhaps you know they they want the feedback on the on the material to a certain extent. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, just to to see how it feels live in front of an audience and how they respond to it, and uh, and-, and even for themselves to to f- see how the lyrics feel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Of course, crowd doesn't always know best. No. <laughs> um. Actually, you know the story behind uh, Country House, the reason why Blur put that out as a single up against gold with it? Um, they, um, they need another song because they're playing Marlen Stadium. Really, really big gig for them. They need another song. So they put out, um, you know, they added Country House to the set list. Played it in front of the crowd. The crowd went absolutely mental for it. And they thought, oh. wow, this is amazing. This is the best song we've got. And they put that out as the single. And obviously people now looking back, you know, you know Blur fans don't think much of Country House. But it's just the reaction that it got then made them think they had, you know, the the best song ever on their hands. Anyway, I've got sort of a I don't know. This is I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about this. Go on, I have the floor. Let do the I? bee out. Okay, I was looking on YouTube for um, copy, you know, just seeing if I could find the definitive version of Disconnected, so I could stick it up on the Twitter and you know, um, just you know, for my own purpose really. And I caught this comment at the bottom of one of the videos, and it it really pissed me off. Really, really pissed me off. And I, I don't know, I, I can't, I haven't got the, the the exact comment, but just to paraphrase, it was like, oh my god, Tom wearing a t-shirt, this is the best video ever. And I just thought, you absolute... No, no, yeah. I, I was so angry, I was really, really angry, because you just think, what the fuck is the point? There's a brand new song here, brand new material. Something that, you know, if you're really into the music, it's something that... You know, you you would think it would be something that would be the thing that you would take from it that would be the most interesting thing. But if you're really just, if you're really only interested in, you know, seeing the the singer's arms, then, you know, fuck it. Why not have Tom on stage with his shirt off? He can run through some old hits for half an hour. You don't even need Tim. Tim and Richard can sit backstage, you know, counting their royalties. Tom can go out on stage with his arms all the way out and uh, he can sing five singles from Hopes and Fears and then we can all go home afterwards. What's the point? That was a part two political broadcast brought to you by Andrew Drinkwater. Seriously, fuck that person, fuck them hard. But to be to be fair, I don't think many people would have actually gone to the concert in real life uh, and and walked out of walked out the arena and thought, you know what, Tom's arms were the best bit. I I think that's just a YouTube phenomenon. Well, still, it made me angry.
1: Beyond the-
0: Let's 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 talk about the uh the rest of the album, what what we know about it so far, then Chris. Go on then. Well, this is oh, This I'll is att- our dossier, preliminary dossier. I'll I'll attribute this to a source. Mm. Um as it stands, the fourth album is half written, or at the very least half demoed. That's that's as I understand it. I mean you don't know where how long the full thing's gonna take, so you don't know where halfway is, but uh yeah. Yeah. Halfway exactly. sounds encouraging. Well, Based on previous sort of work, you would imagine that um, Tim would wants, in the region of 15 songs, um, so he's probably about halfway to that, seven seven songs or so, um, for it to be half half written. So, what we don't know at the moment is exactly how it's going to be recorded. Yeah, I mean, there have been two very, very different uh, methods for the past few releases, haven't there? Where's... Uh, Perfect Symmetry was all about the vibe and, you know, the the guys all going to a studio and, and camping in, in Paris or in Berlin yeah. and being in a room and, you know, really building up a collection of instruments around that. That was one way. And then, obviously, the night train was completely different where they recorded different parts on different continents in many cases. So it'd be interesting to see which of those they choose, whether they you know, take the... Uh, the Opportunity in all the touring that they're doing at the moment to maybe lay some bits down if they've got half you know, if it's half done already, then it, that's certainly a possibility. Or whether yeah. they will try and um, move to somewhere, maybe I don't know, in America or something. It's also worth bearing in mind that Tim's built a studio in his house. Like, mm. I can't imagine that they would actually properly record there. It'd be a great place for demoing and working on songs, but actually recording things there, I, I, I don't know about that. I'm not sure, really, yeah. Uh, let's talk timeframes, though. Yeah. Uh, well, the funny thing is that people have been talking about the band needing a break after they finish. You know, with with this US tour. Album and, cycle, I think, is the is the phrase that I like that you always use. <laughs> but the funny thing is, there's been quite a lot of break and downtime built in over the last sort of twelve months. If you think that after the the V Festival, that was the last engagement of last year, is that right? No, there was the the dates in Spain that went on into mm-hmm. uh, into September time. So from there, through to when they were actually doing any sort of promotion for Night Train, that's, you know, it's almost sort of a clear four or five months there, which is, you know, that's that's a, a nice long rest. I wouldn't mind a holiday like that, no. No, who wouldn't? And then the uh, the touring schedule's hardly been the um, the most intensive this year, has it? No, they've uh, I think they've must have done the least work to get a number one album out of uh, anyone this year. Well, quite possibly. <laughs> um, no. Not that we're trying to belittle the band's achievements, of course, but um no certainly it seems this this year's definitely been sort of a take it easy kind of year although with a lot going on behind the scenes such as writing for kylie working with kylie the whole mount desolation yeah. thing that we're going to mention later yeah and obviously in the background richard's had a lot of boulders to climb and uh yeah i mean and writing half an album you know doesn't happen overnight so, so yeah. yeah sorry we perhaps shouldn't be so unnecessarily flippant um, it's not as though there has been lots of sitting sitting around doing nothing, but drinking cups of tea. It's certainly not been the kind of intensive touring schedule that we saw for Hopes and Fears, I think, or under the IC, even for that matter. So, timescales then. Um, I don't know. The, the thing is, if we think that the the band could go into a studio in January, if we think that Mount Desolation is going to take up much of Tim's sort of end of the year, got to be some time in there for writing, demoing, sure. In, the half. <laughs> into the studio in january maybe um the earliest that we could expect to see any kind of album out of there would be august at the very earliest i think so yeah i mean that, and we're talking like really you know if everything went perfectly and everything was just like fantastic and things never are are they i mean no. even Imperfect perfect symmetry which came together incredibly quickly i mean that was that was sort of a similar sort of thing wasn't it that uh, Started recording in about March, and and then it was uh, released in October. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, bearing that in mind, if, if if even if they went into the studio on on January the third, let, let's say let's factor in um, the unexpected. Um, you know, let's say the, you know the, they're not quite happy with the album. They need a bit more time. Need another session. Sessions drag on to the end of the summer. Um, it's quite conceivable that we won't see album four until 2012. Now that sounds a long way away from you know the last one in two thousand and eight. A four year gap sounds sounds quite big, but when you consider it, we've had the night train in between and a fairly considerable amount of touring, and all all this side work that Tim's been doing, there'll be Mount Desolation, there'll be Kylie, there'll be who knows what else is in his pipeline. Kanye West got something coming out. I, I do wonder if uh, Tim's perhaps hooked up with his old friend. Um. <laughs> that, that, I mean, I, I just thought it's it's unlikely, but I'll I want to be the first ink in the off. chance that that happens there was an awful lot of innuendo in the last 30 seconds as well Um, (laughs) I think basically that what we're we're trying to say is that I wouldn't expect uh, a fourth album to be right around the corner certainly not this well certainly not this year certainly not the first half of next year Um, yeah don't don't hold your breath I think is the the message here Mount Desolation are named after a condition suffered by lonely taxidermists
1: Beyond.
0: now I think it's time for us to recap on some gigs that have been going on over the past few weeks um, and it's been re- really really interesting in terms of touring such so variety of show it's um Well, I, I think it's uh, it all started off just a couple of days after we recorded the last podcast was Glastonbury Chris doesn't go to Glastonbury, do you? I'm I'm not really one for camping, but you know you're you're pretty much a regular there now, aren't you? No, I've been going to Glastonbury since um, God, when did I first? Not that long, actually. I, I first went in 2004. Um, yeah. Coincidentally, the first time that Keane played in 2004, um, and this year was an absolute uh, a classic, a classic of uh, the festival's history. Um, but rather, you know, let's, let's just focus on, on Keane's set for the moment. They did a, um, a set which overlapped with, uh, England's humiliation in Blumfontein. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so I was forced to make a decision whether to see the, uh, see the last half hour of, uh, the England game or have a chance of getting into the tent to see them play. Sure. Played in this very small tent called, uh, uh the Avalon, uh, tent, uh-huh um, it's not a very mainstream part of the festival it's you know sort of away from the main drag where the main stages are um, but they always have a really really interesting uh, program of bands and acts that are on in there um, I saw some really good called um, Ellen and the Escapades who were the, the, the first band on um, on the day that they played really really good um, lots of really interesting stuff on that weekend the Wurzels played as well massive packed audience for them playing but anyway, what they played was sort of the semi-acoustic um, set. They had um, Richard's drum kit there. It wasn't just Shaker. Um, they did have the full sort of band set up. Uh-huh. Um, but they did sort of play sort of a quite low-key set, and it included their cover of With or Without You. Obviously, uh, you two yeah, should have yeah, been at Glastonbury, yeah. weren't there. Um, I saw that on YouTube, and, and it sounded like the crowd was louder than the band. Yeah, it was unbelievably good. Um, Once you've got a tent which is absolutely rammed full of people, and you get a proper singalong going, the the atmosphere generated is absolutely incredible. Um, Should we have a listen? I think we can do that. So yeah, I, d- I don't want to, you know, it was quite a while ago now, so I just want to suffice to say that it was fantastic, and I think um, I think we can all agree that they should be back at Glastonbury again quite soon. First appearance at Glastonbury, that was for five years. Since 2005 then, yeah. Excellent maths. Yeah. Yes, first time since 2005, and uh, let's hope that they're back there next year, although mm. given what we've just said about the next record, probably unlikely. Uh, then a little more recently, we had the uh, iTunes Festival gig, which uh, was a similar sort of thing, wasn't it? Sort of semi-acoustic. Uh... Well, I said this. I've said about this on the on the Twitter. I think it was it was or, or, well nearer to fully acoustic. Hmm. Um, I think we said at the top of the show about it being sort of this eleven track unplugged DP. I was they they very surprised, somehow. actually, because I was expecting it to be sort of... a uh, You know when you do something corporate and just, they just... I was expecting them to try out four or five songs, a bit half-assed. But, I mean, this is like a proper album, almost. This is, uh, uh, you know, Keen Unplugged. Yeah. It, when, when you, if you go onto iTunes, you'll be able to download the EP. It was 11 tracks in length, and the whole set is up to download. And I promise you, you will not find a better example of a Keen Live album in terms of it being... The re- you know songs have been rearranged especially for the performance. You've got um, string players, you've got um, the musical saw, um, a version of everybody's changing with bongos. You know, with sort of a salsa rhythm almost. Yeah. Um, if you like, you know, if you want to hear Keen with a bit of a twist, this is this is the. I think thing it, for you. it's probably a bit similar to the. Uh, it's probably a bit similar to the show they did in LA with uh, John Bryan. With, yeah. With the, like, um, uh, uh, at Largo. Lago. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um, and obviously, you know, we've not, you know, there was no album released of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is probably as close as those of us in London will get to seeing that sort of show. Yes, I mean that's well, well worth getting. Uh, not to, not to plug it, but it's, uh, but that's definitely money well spent. Yeah, we, we would play you a clip, but I think I would rather encourage you to go and buy it for yourself. Mm. But yeah, talking of America, yes, you almost went, didn't you? Yeah, let yeah. me say almost, you didn't go. Okay, no, I, I didn't go. I um, Basically, I, I arranged to go out there for, um, for a long weekend. I wanted to go out and see the show on the waterfront in Brooklyn. I wanted to go down to Philadelphia. I've got really fond memories of having a, a really, really good trip with Chris when we went to Philadelphia and New York back in 2006 for what would have been the September 2006 tour. Carnegie Hall, I believe, yeah. Yeah, Car- Carnegie Hall and Radio, Radio City? Can't remember now it was it was a long yeah. time ago but anyway we went and Keane didn't and we had a great time and i thought i'd go back over and uh visit some old friends this time it was the other way around Keane went and you didn't <laughs> well, yeah yeah exactly um i had uh eight frustrating hours at Heathrow airport um where i couldn't get on flights because they were full anyway this is turning into a bit of self-indulgence really yeah, yeah, well. yeah yeah let's well, crack on Keane. yeah self-indulgence is something we never do chris oh. um no the, the tour's been really well received um it's it's gone down very very well. Um, obviously, the new song that we've already mentioned, and the the sets have been quite um, varied, which is which is nice. Yeah, I mean, like, like we were saying earlier, they have got a catalog now to pull from. That's, yeah, definitely. So I, I think some people have been. They wanted to hear Tim doing Your Love, which I think has been, you know, phased out a little bit from the set, and then things like again mm-hmm. and again are back in, and obviously things are moving around a bit to accommodate disconnected. Um, you know, it's sort of a nice variation so we've got some choice quotes here that we uh, we pulled off the Twitter thank you for um, sending them in Yang yeah keep, cheers keep, keep sending your opinions we do actually care about your opinions we, we so Twitter, read everything on the Twitter Twitter's actually it's one of the rare cases where we do actually read what you put on Twitter so <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway uh, Samantha G uh, I went to the Houston gig waited hours under the Texan heat totally worth it small venue and the boys rocked our Santiago Junior this Greek theatre show was amazing cool uh, I've always wanted to go to the Greek, just because it has got such a, a great name, isn't it? Yeah. Just um, Annie NYC uh, Toronto was just mind blowing. This has got to be their best tour yet. Better and better every time. Uh, that one, that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I should. I, I was just reading stuff out from here. It's. Just <laughs> Uh, Mel A. car Greek theatre show was amazing Tom's voice was insane slash spot on only complaint wished more songs from Night Train were played mm, interesting um, some fantastic quotes uh, from people on there it's, um, it's really been well received as I think most of these American tours have been in the past Cool. Um, clearly, got a very loyal fan base out there, despite the fact they, you know, they don't visit perhaps as often as they'd like to, or the fans would like them to. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, big country like that. Yeah, definitely. So, remaining engagements for this year. Um, before I move on to anything else, um, I put up on the Twitter. Well. Um, Someone sent me a link to a Chilean website, a music um, website, fairly reliable, and they were reporting that a South American promoter was trying to lure the band down to South America for some shows at the end of November. Um, Richard got in touch with us via Twitter to say that the band are not touring down in South America this year. Unfortunately, they would really, really love to, but it's just not on the cards, unfortunately. So, this year, no South America. There are, however after these u s dates, there is a there's a fundraiser actually we've seen isn't there Chris yeah um you um, you spotted this tell t- 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 us <laughs> a little bit more about this andrew <laughs> um Tom's involved in a uh, sporting agency is that right uh called leading leading edge uh-huh. um, but there's a um there's a fundraiser in October um to raise funds for his father's charity veranda aid. Uh, and it sort of ties in with the uh, the defence of the Ashes, which will be successful this winter. <laughs> and there's a there's a fundraiser for Rwanda Raid And uh, if you're interested in that, I'm sure you can find the the details online. Um, sadly, you will need an awful lot of money. So uh, I think it's seventeen seventeen hundred and fifty quid for a table of ten. So you know, club together with your friends, and why not why not get down there. your millionaire friends? Uh, and uh, yeah, give generously. But apart from that that, that, that as far as I know, that is it for Keen for the moment. Mm. And the reason for that, yeah, we'll get on to just now. Drum-backs. Eager not to be outdone by Tim and Jesse, Tom and Richard are demoing tracks for a drum and bass side project called the Erotic Rhythm Experience. Mount Desolation is the name of the band. Mount Desolation is the name of the album and it is out on October the 18th this year. Yep, it's uh going to be preceded by a single which uh we understand is going to be Departure. Um we got chatting to Tim after uh, one of the shows a uh, couple of months ago and uh, I think that was right. He did say Departure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I mean it's the first it's the first song they usually play in their set. Yeah. And I think it's the first song on the on the album looking at the track listing which you can see on play.com. We won't bother reading it out. You can do some legwork for yourself for once. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Mount Desolation going out on tour, which is uh, yeah, should be good. Nice. I've, I've got my tickets already, and uh, looking it's, it's going to be, it. be it's going to be nice to see um, Tim in some toilet venues again because <laughs> it's um, I've I, I don't know I've got fond fond memories of seeing um, Tim in w- a toilet. <laughs> I don't know what you're implying. I don't know I've got really fond memories of um, of going to places like um, like the Bar Academy in Birmingham. And seeing Tim, who at the time walked around with a permanent smile on his face because he was just happy to be touring with Keane. Yeah, um, I just I'm looking forward to these dates. I really am. But I mean, Keane never played the Scala, which is uh, a pretty pretty interesting venue, isn't it? It gets absolutely rammed in there. Yeah, well, you and I went to see Tom McRae there a while ago. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, um, it's a funny old place. Like, I I don't know. I, I can remember one time uh, I went there, and it was like sort of like a quiet. Acoustic type act And then there was a drum and bass night on Directly afterwards And some of the people who come for the drum and bass night Were in early So it was just sort of a slightly You know, people giving it large To, you know, like someone with a guitar Well, I wonder if that sort of thing will happen Or if there'll be uh... I'd like to think so I'd like to think so Um Anyway, there are quite a few dates on the tour um A lot of which are in Scotland I hadn't noticed Highlands and islands So places like the Isle of Mull Storn Away um, cool. Basically, if you live in the Hebrides, this is the tour for you. <laughs> um, get along to Fort William if you can. Ullapool. all the big, all the big towns are being covered. So that's the UK tour that's been announced. I understand there's some dates uh, in Over the in pipeline. America, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is uh, according to you know loose-lipped gentlemen out in America after shows talking to fans. Um, apparently, Mount Desolation are going to be out with Mumford and Sons uh, in October when they're touring America, but only on the West Coast. They're going to do some shows of their own on the East Coast, and then possibly, maybe some more dates back over here in the UK in November. Excellent. But to be honest, that's better. you know we don't know that for certain. We just think they will. So we've got all the admin out of the way. That is, you know, that's all the, the stuff that we know of Mount Desolation. Um, you and I went to see them sort of independently of each other last month. Yeah, that's right. I was da- I was down at the Lexington. Yeah. And I think you made it to the flower pot, didn't I you? I did, yes. Um, well, it, it, my... my, my Gig that I went to wasn't really a you know a proper show. It was sort of a collaborative effort that was yeah. You know, it was fascinating. So you can go first, Tim. What did you think? Well, I, th- I thought it was great. Actually, it was a little bit more polished than the uh, than the Luminaire. Um, yeah, that was almost like a live rehearsal type thing. No, but that it was it was good. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to do it down. It's just that when, you know we saw Tim afterwards and Tim was really unhappy with the the sound, even though it didn't sound so bad. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't really remember. But um. No, I thought I thought that Lexington was a great gig. I mean, what I really noticed is that there's a variety of of sort of styles. There isn't a sort of Mount Desolation style per se that you can immediately identify with. And there's you know there's every song has its own kind of mood, and I, I really like that. So I suppose that's quite hmm. similar to Night Train, really, in, in that sort of sense that it's a it's a lot of different things brought together, and a lot of different people brought together by these two songwriters. Um, And the things they've collected Uh, We did notice actually that one of the songs Bitter Pill was uh, Yeah, an old keen number Yeah, I think if you We haven't watched it for a while, it would probably be interesting to do so But uh, on the Under the INC DVD During the making of that We think it was written on uh, one of the whiteboards there Yeah, or was it on the computer In Strangers when they were looking at songs that On Tim's spreadsheet In Excel I can't remember, but it was on one of the two Um, We do our research after the show on this one. (laughs) Well, I just, I wrote it down when we were making notes before the show, because I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm sure it's an old Keen demo. Um, And it's funny that when I've heard that live, it's the song that most evokes Keen, if you see. Right. Um, It sounds like it it was written with them in mind. Uh Whereas there are other songs that, you know, clearly that's not the case. And I think it's going to take a while for, particularly people who are, big keen fans they've got to get their heads around that this is not keen yeah absolutely otherwise what be the point well exactly this is not this is not um, Tim and Jesse singing keen songs in you know a bluegrass style or whatever as fun as that would be that's a great support act right there <laughs> um, but, let, let's put this act together Chris we could go out and support them on the road um, I'll, yeah I'll, I think people have just got to get used to the idea that this is a completely separate entity entirely yeah, definitely. Um what what's your favorite song? I can't remember what it's got um Oh, you know, I can't remember the name, but it's uh, this, the the one where the opening lyric is uh, little valentine. It's the duet between Jesse and uh, Jessica Stapley Taylor. Um is it something by My Side? Oh, it's terrible. I should really research this again, but never mind. I think that's probably one of my favourites. But I, I get the impression that my favourite will probably change as I hear the recorded versions. Because um, State of Our Affairs, the recording of that is, is amazing. It doesn't really come across live the same way that the MP3 that they made available for free download does. I think mean, yeah. that's a fantastic recording of a great song. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we, we should point out that if you don't have it, State of Our Affairs is available now for free. If you go, I on think the it's gone now, I'm com. afraid. It's gone. Has it really? It's gone. Gutted. Gutted, everyone. But it's I'm gone. Sure if, if you go to those uh, naughty sites, you'll find it. <laughs> not the kind of naughty sites that you normally go to, Chris. No. Um, I really like Bridal Gown, um, which is a... That's a Tim lead. Okay. That, that's not really... Uh, to me, that never seems to fit in the country mould that uh, Matt Desolation was sort of... Uh... Fuck it. I don't, I don't care if it's, uh, if it fits in yeah. with the, the, um, the brief for the record. I think it's a great song. And, it, it, you know, who gives a shit if it doesn't fit in with the, the brief? No, absolutely, and, and... It's the kind of thing that it would have been buried on a Keen record. I couldn't imagine Tom fronting it. I can't imagine Tim saying, I'll take lead on this, and it will go on a Keen record. So, if this is the way that it has to come out, so, you know, so be it. Absolutely, I mean, we should probably talk about that, you know. Are these Keen reject songs, or are these... How How do you see this playing out, you know... It does put With Tim... Tim's writing. How does he choose now? What's a Keen song? What's a Man Desolation song? What's a Kylie song? What's, you know... It's funny. I think, who knows how Tim's brain is compartmentalised. I think it's... You know how much Tim loves his vibe. Um. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Um, you know how much Tim... How much um, Tim thinks about the vibe of a song. Um, And that's a really, really important element to the song. Almost the most important element to him. And I think you can tell when you're demoing a song what kind of vibe it's going to be, if it's going to be a Keen type vibe, or whether it's not going to quite fit in with them. Even, you know, Keen have obviously experimented quite a lot over the last four or five years. But if something's not going to be right for that, you can just keep it on one side and see whether it might be right for someone else. Or for something else. And... I mean, I guess having done solely Keen stuff for quite a few years, he must have rather a few songs that aren't Keen songs, but are good songs in their own right. Yeah. That, for example, the stuff you know he works on with, with Kylie and Gwen Stefani. And you've got to bear in mind that, that Keen is a democracy as well, to a certain extent. Yeah. So let, let's say that Tim would bring a, a song to the band. He loves it and they hate it. What, what happens to that song? Mount Desolation record. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean... This this would be a very interesting thing to have a chat with uh, with Tim and Jesse about. To be honest, mm. um, maybe, maybe we should try and sort that out sometime. Maybe. Um, so yes, that is Mount Desolation. Um, we'll probably out. talk a bit more once the record comes out and we can we can listen to the, how it is intended to be heard. Yeah, definitely. Um, this September, you won't get to hear the record beforehand, but get out and see them if you can. It's def- definitely an interesting show. Watch. Good evening and welcome to our August Beardwatch update. Now looking around the beards tonight, it seems very quiet on all the major chins. Tom seems to be settling for downy fluff at the moment, more akin to the style first popularised in his early days at Tunbridge. Now looking across to Richard, much more coverage there, sort of like a man who has been at a festival for a week, or perhaps a 17-year-old trying to cultivate enough to purchase his first Alka-pop. Now, finally, the country types of Jim and Tessie are being looked down on by their more beardy peers, torn between the smooth cheeks beloved of some and the vast swathes of fluff required for true outcountry greatness, like having a deep shag carpet affixed to one's chin. So the outlook? Hairier. And that's today's Beardwatch.
1: Beardwatch
0: Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it all up for tonight. As we said before, we do love your feedback on Twitter, so whether you're a first-time listener or the band's drummer, we read all your tweets, and we do try to reply to as many as we can. Our username is beyondinc, so look us up and follow us now. And if you're going to any of the remaining US shows, do get in touch and let us know how they went. I mean, We've just heard that the band collaborated with the opening app, Fran Healy, last night. So, I mean, it just goes to show there's plenty of surprises in store. Yeah, you can of course still email us at mailbox at beyondtheinc.com if you've got anything to say that will take more than 140 characters. But until we're next back behind the mics, we'll have to say goodbye.